Hi, I'm Dr. Shantae, and welcome to Believing Bigger Podcast. We are at episode 15, and today's episode is about guaranteed success. And we are coming from Isaiah. I love the Old Testament. I just, I really, really do. And I'm glad that I have come to appreciate the richness of the Old Testament as I have gotten older because it used to be all about the New Testament for me. I was like, I was all about Jesus. And then I had to go back and read about that Old Testament God. Like, okay, okay, I'm loving it. So Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Some uh, versions say void. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so with regard to guaranteed success, we're going to be talking about number one, seek God. Okay. Number two, don't try to figure it out. And three, it shall come to pass. So when we're talking about seeking God, the number one thing that God wants from you, certainly faith, certainly your love, but he wants a better relationship with you. A lot of times we don't think about God like that. We just kind of think of God as kind of like this dun, 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 this God of the universe. But we don't think that the God of the universe wants a close personal relationship with you individually okay with you individually and Isaiah here is talking about that relationship and also understanding God better understanding who he is okay one of the things that I looked at because sometimes I noticed that in the scripture it calls him Lord and then it calls him God and I said what's the difference aren't those terms kind of like interchangeable and they're not. Lord is a formal title, okay? It's like saying sir, right? And then anytime you see God, it refers to his deity, okay? The fact that he is God. But his proper name, God has a name, is Yahweh. Or as we like to say, Jehovah, okay? Same thing, but that's his name, okay? So understanding him better. And Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And so here it says, seek the Lord. The reason why he's saying seek the Lord is because we are constantly battling things and people and situations that are trying to pull us away from the Lord. Always. The enemy has a... a predictable box of tools okay deception distraction delusions um destruction okay because that's a singular purpose the only reason why the enemy exists is to destroy you that's it singular purpose just like you know we have this debate in this country you know about guns it's like well gun control and what if you want to hunt and you know all of that jazz but a gun was created for a singular purpose destruction a gun serves no other purpose 
but to destroy that thing for which it is aimed and intended. Likewise, Satan, the enemy, has no other purpose but destruction to destroy that thing for which it is aimed and intended. That's the only reason he exists. That's the only reason that he exists. And so because of that, Isaiah is saying, seek the Lord while he may be found. We are constantly battling those things. And so he says there's an urgency about it while he may be found because my daddy likes to say this, this saying, he said, boy, y'all just living like y'all ain't gonna never die. Okay, like y'all just out here in these streets, right? Y'all just living like you ain't gonna never die. And sometimes because we have lived the way that we have lived, we kind of think that too. But I want you to think about, okay, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a concert lover. I love me some live music. I love it. Outdoor too, and the weather is nice. You'll catch me at a Northerly Island. You'll catch me at a Taste of Chicago. You know, you'll catch me at a Ravinia. I love that kind of stuff. Can you imagine going to something like that and all of a sudden gunshots and the people you came with, you don't go home with. We don't think about that because like, ooh, that happened over there. By the grace of God, it didn't happen over here. So he said, there's an urgency about this thing, okay? He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. He wants you to go looking for God the same way you go looking for the payroll department when your check is short. Because I don't know, because this real talk, Apparently, this happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Actually, this happened to me the day that my sister went into labor. I was in the hospital room all day, and so I really wasn't on my phone or checking my phone, and it was, you know, it was payday. And so I just casually went in and opened up the bank app, and I looked, and I looked again. And I said, where's, where's my check? And then I had to think. I'm like, wait, is this the right day? Yeah, this is the right day. Where's my money? I immediately, I was like, just breathe and pray. I'm going to be right back. And I stepped out of that room and I got on the phone with the payroll department. And I was like, what's really going on? Okay. Because, you know, we don't play about our coins. We don't play no games <laughs> with our money. And so Isaiah saying, I want you to go looking for God the way you go looking for money when, you, when it ain't all there. When you done did the math and be like, something is amiss. It says, while he may be found. So I want to take you to Matthew 25, 10 and 13 for a minute. And it says, and this is talking about the, the foolish versions. I've done a, a podcast on this. That there was five wise virgins and five foolish virgins, right? And so here he says, but while they were on their way to buy oil, meaning buy oil for their lamps, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went into him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came and said, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. You can't live like you ain't going to never die. You can't live like we are not in constant daily spiritual warfare. You can't live like that. You know why? Because the minute you get caught slipping, the Bible says, literally, because think about, are you guys familiar with the term stalking? When somebody is stalking you and you got to get a restraining order and you got to block people off of social media and, and things like that, because stalking is like a real thing, right? The Bible says that your enemy, your adversary, the devil, seeks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, which means when you are preying on somebody, predatory behavior, you are looking for an opening. It's one of the reasons why I say you don't think about how routine your routine is. If somebody really wanted to get the drop on you, they know what time you leave the house every day. 
All they have to do is just sit and watch for an opening. They see when somebody's with you, when somebody's not with you, what time you come home, and when you're going to be at your car by yourself. If somebody really wanted to, because that's what stalkers and, and predators do, they could get the drop on you because you don't change it up. We're creatures of habit. And the Bible says that the enemy, the, the devil, is seeking about like a roaring lion looking for an opportunity. And so here the Bible says, keep watch, watch yourself. Because you don't know the day nor the hour, okay, that the Son of Man is coming in this instance. So when he says, while he may be found, God is not going to be up in heaven forever. He may not come in our lifetime, but you do you know? That's what always cracks me up when people be like, we did the numbers and the world is going to end next Tuesday. I'm like, is it? Is it really? I always go to this scripture. I thank God I know the word for myself. So when we talk about a better relationship, okay, he says, let the wicked forsake his way so that God can abundantly pardon. So when you are trying to seek a better relationship with God, we talk about guaranteed success, okay, because there are some things that are going to derail your success and there are going to be some things that guarantee your success. One of the things that is going to guarantee your success is when you walk away from certain things. When you walk away from certain things, one of those things being gossip. Because now on instant uh, social media, especially like Instagram, boy, somebody always got the hot tea, don't they? Somebody, I mean, and be ready to spill it. Like, oh, I got the hot tea. I got, I got the, the gossip. I got the juice, okay? So gossip, envy, unforgiveness. I did a whole episode on forgiveness last season because when somebody did you dirty, it's hard to forgive them. But you know what? In not forgiving them, you are sacrificing blessing. And I can't think of anybody that I'm worth sacrificing blessings for. It's just not worth it to me. Physical sins, I'm going to just leave that one right there. Lust, marital sins, neglect of loved ones. The Bible says that anyone who doesn't take care of his family, especially those of his own household, is worse than a heathen. Is worse than an infidel is actually what it says. You're worse than a heathen. And so uh, I love Maya Angelou. She said, don't go grinning good mornings out in the street and then don't come home and speak to me. You know, we want to smile and cheese and, hey, girl, hey. And then you walk in the house and you ain't got two words to say to the person you live with. Mm, come on now. Pride, dishonesty, hypocrisy, and itching ears. Stop running from person to person, from coach to coach, from place to place get with itching ears so that somebody will tell you all you got to do is, is just come to Jesus and you can live any way you want to live and that's going to be all right. There is no scripture that says that. Just come to Jesus, it's going to be all right. You ain't never going to suffer. There is no scripture that says that. But when you have itching ears, you're looking for that. And the Bible says that it's uh, Psalms 103.12, that as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Literally, if I set two people right now and set them in one direction going west and the other one going east, they would never meet. They would never meet. They would be walking so far in the other opposite direction that they would never meet. And that's what God does when you leave these things behind and say, Lord, help me to lay this aside so that I can have success. He will absolutely do it, which brings us to don't try to figure it out. I'm a strategic thinker. It's hard for me to kind of like turn my mind down sometimes because it's working like a Rubik's Cube. Are you guys familiar with that? Am I dating myself? But you know, a Rubik's Cube, the, the square with all the little squares and all the colors and things like that, my mind turns like that all the time, trying to find the right combinations for things, right? Trying to get it right, trying to figure things out. But here, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So believers, I'm going to tell you, if you want guaranteed success, stop trying to set the agenda. Stop trying to run it. Because some of us are like that type A control. I have to have control. I need to know what's going on and the parameters and the who's and the what's and the ins and the outs. Yeah, that might work on your job. When we're talking about success in your calling, success in your purpose, you don't set that agenda. Who sets the agenda? The one who called you. When you have a calling, it is an indicator that you have been called by someone. And so the one that called you, that's whose agenda it is because it's not your agenda. When we have a vision, we start mapping out the process, but we also need to understand that it's already been mapped out. <laughs> There's no accidents. There's no coincidence. Okay, there's no happenstance. God will tell you what to say and what to do. How do I know? The first series in this podcast talked about Moses. When Moses was like, why you want me to talk? Why you want me to be the spokesperson? He said, look, take Aaron with you and I will teach you what to say and what to do. Okay, God doesn't call the equipped all the time. He will equip those who are called. Don't try to figure it out. You know, in The Matrix, I believe that Cornell West was in one of the Matrix movies, okay? And he had this dope line, okay? He was, his, he was cast as the intellectual, which was really appropriate for him because that's how Cornell West is. And he said, comprehension is not a requisite for cooperation. He told Neo to do something. Neo was the main character. And he said, and, and Neo didn't understand it. He said, comprehension is not a requisite for cooperation. In other words, you don't need to understand in order to obey. Hello? Come in. <laughs> okay? Because I'm going to tell you something. We walk by faith and not by sight. So God asks you to do something, and you're like, what? What? I'm, hmm. Let me check my hearing. And then you try to go another way and God slams that door so hard in your face to make you go another way. You're like, I don't understand. Why would you have me? But you don't have to understand in order to obey. Naaman was a general in the army, high ranking officer. Go to second Kings chapter five. He was a leper. When you were a leper in biblical times, it means that you were unclean, which means people could not rock with you. You actually got set outside the camp, okay, because you were so diseased and it was contagious. So Naaman was a high-ranking official, high-ranking general in the army, and he had leprosy. And he went to Elisha, who was extra gangster, and he was expecting Elisha to open up the windows of heaven to do some razzle-dazzle, some this and that. And Elisha was like, go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. Holla. <laughs> and that was it. And Naaman was so offended. He said, what? I didn't came here with my caravan. I didn't came here with, with gold and gifts. I'm expecting you to do, that's it? Just go wash in the Jordan seven times, really? Yeah, Naaman didn't understand, but he did it. And he was clean when he came up that seventh time. Elisha again in 1 Kings 17, 7, the widow at Zarethath, she did not understand. This was the widow who had just enough food for her and her child to make one last meal and die. She was on her last of her last, okay? It was a famine in the land, and all she had was enough food, enough oil, and enough meal. She said, I'm going to make us these last little cakes, and that's going to be it. We're just going to take our sleep. 
And so Elijah came along and said, make me a plate. And she didn't understand. She thinking to herself like, now, you know, we starving. You know, we ain't got no food. I only got just enough food for myself and my child. But you're going to ask me, God, man, to make you a plate. She made him a plate. And the Bible says she did not miss a meal for the duration of the famine. She didn't understand, but she obeyed. Job, we just got done talking about Job in this last series. Job did not understand why he was the designated person to suffer the way he did. But in Job 13, 15, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't understand, but I'm going to trust him anyway. Sarah, God told Sarah, you're going to have a baby. And Sarah, the Bible says, laughed within herself like, hmm, okay, I'm, I'm full of years. I'm well past the childbearing age. She didn't understand, okay? And yet, God's promises were true. When Lazarus died, okay, now we're in New Testament. When Lazarus died, Martha did not understand. So remember a few episodes ago, I'm talking about Mary and Martha, same Martha. She didn't understand. She ran up on Jesus and said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She did not understand that Lazarus needed to be dead four days so that the power of God could be manifest in front of those people. She didn't understand. The disciples didn't understand. When Jesus called the disciples to come to his ministry, he went out. They had been fishing all night because they were fishermen. They were trained. They were skilled. This is what they did. They weren't new to this. They do this. This is what they did, had been out there all night, didn't catch one thing. Jesus said, launch out into the deep. And they said, Lord, we've been fishing all night. Nevertheless, at your word, and had so many fish, it sank the boat. They had to get other boats to come in and help them. They didn't understand it either. The blind man, okay, and Jesus helped many blind people, but this blind man in particular in John 9.25, I love this story. Because, you know, they were going around telling Jesus, you can't be healing on the Sabbath day. You can't be breaking the rules. OK. And so this particular man, after Jesus healed him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, meaning the government officials rolled up on him and they was like, well, hey, did this man sin by healing you? And the blind man said, whether he be a sinner or no, I don't know. But what I do know is I was blind and now I see. He didn't understand. But. He didn't have to understand in order to obey. And even today, right now, today, when I think about the mess that the world is in, when I think about the depravity of men's hearts and the wickedness, Jeremiah says, the heart of man is desperately wicked. There is no bottom. He says, who can know it? Who can know the depths of evil that is in man's hearts? That's why, because man is so evil, I struggle to understand John 3, 16, which says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that somebody would give the best that they have for our raggedy selves. We don't understand it, and yet we obey. So you don't have to understand it all in order to obey. Don't try to figure it out. And James 1.6 says this, but when you ask, when you ask God something, you must believe and not doubt. Why? Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Believers, don't stand in the way of your own success with fear and doubt, trying to figure it out. You won't guarantee success. Stop trying to figure it out according to your limited thinking. Because God just said, my ways ain't your ways. As high as the heavens as far above the earth are my thoughts higher 
than your thoughts. In other words, that was God's nice way of saying, you ain't even on my level. You're not even remotely on my level. So I'm gonna just need you to have several seats and stop trying to figure this thing out. James 1, 7 says, that man, that doubting man, that man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So here's the deal. We can be confident that when we walk according to God's will, then we will have what we ask. How do I know that? 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence. Confidence, y'all. Stop doubting. Stop wavering. Stop. I don't know. I don't know. Have ironclad, steadfast, unmovable confidence in the God that you serve. It says, this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything, qualifier, according to his will, because, you know, some preachers like to take that part out. And just say, if you just ask God for anything, jump down, turn around, pick a bale of cotton, you're going to get it. No, it don't work like that. It said, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, oh, praise God. It says, we know that we already possess what we have asked of him. That's a shout moment right there. I'm talking about guaranteed success. Don't be asking for no Lamborghini. Why? Because that serves who? That serves you. But when you're asking things according to the purpose and the calling that you've been given, it says we can be confident and know it's just a matter of time because it's going to come to pass, which brings us to guaranteed success. The word says, back to our guiding scripture, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it. Think about that. Anytime you have seen it rain, Anytime you have seen it snow, when it goes down, it stays down. It does not come back. It's not like, oh, the rain is going back up. No, <laughs> the rain comes down and it stays down, watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. Okay, so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater. Okay, in other words, rain comes so that we can eat. But that's another podcast. Okay, that's another episode. It says, just like that, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In other words, when God has spoken a word over your life, you are guaranteed to succeed. That word will accomplish everything that he has set forth for it to accomplish. The qualifier is when God says, because, you know, people lie on God all the time you know the lord told me the bible says that god is not the author of confusion and so if he told you he gonna tell me too okay so that 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 he gonna put something in my he gonna drop you in my spirit and be like she about to come pay you a visit that's how god works okay but this whole the lord told me to tell you mm -mm. no we ain't talking about that 2 Corinthians 1.20, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, meaning because of him, because of Jesus, the amen, amen means what? It is so. It is done. It is accomplished. Amen. The amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In other words, no matter how many promises God has made to you, they are yes, and all we have to say is, amen, it is so. And so when we talk about no matter how many promises, let's look at some of the promises that, that God has made to us. Jeremiah 29, 11, we know this one. 
It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. It says plans to prosper you in some versions, okay? Plans to prosper you. You were on his mind. You know, we sing that song, somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind. God had you on his mind. He said, I know the thoughts I think towards you. My thoughts are to prosper you, that you will have a future and a hope. That's a promise. In Philippians 4.19, it says, my God will supply every need, all of your needs, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You know what according to is? If I gave you $5, I would give you $5 out of my riches, meaning I have limited resources. And so out of my limited resources, I can give to you. But when God gives according to, that means that he is the resource. It's, he's going to give you out of his resource. He is the unlimited resource. And so he will supply every need that you have according to his riches and glory. Malachi 3.10. And this is, you know, we say this at the church, but, you know, during offering time. But he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Man, if you continue to read the rest of that chapter, one of my favorite scriptures in Malachi says, return to me and I will return to you. You know why? Because he knows sometimes we fall off. Sometimes money get funny and we'd be like, hmm can't I don't know but I kid you not every time I didn't got sloppy on ties oh my gosh my finances are horrible horrible okay because that money you didn't want to pay God you're gonna pay it some way somehow to the mechanic <laughs> to the dentist to the ticket that just got put on your car, trust and believe that. Psalms 128.2 says, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. And 2 Corinthians 9.8, another promise he says, it said, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is not going to co-sign your foolishness. But if you're doing some good work, if you're trying to help somebody else out, if you're trying to advance the kingdom and do his will, and what is his will? Love God and love your neighbor. If you are doing something that covers those two things, you are guaranteed to succeed. And so context matters. I want to leave you with this. Mark eleven twenty four. This is a very highly quoted scripture in prosperity circles. And it says, therefore, I tell you, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Believe and receive. Whole churches, multi-million dollar churches have been built off this premise right here. But here's the thing. Context matters. When he says whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever does not mean a blank check. Whatever means whatever will demonstrate your love for God and others. I was reading about a minister. I ain't going to say no names. Something about asking people to sow a seed for his private jet. I said, where they, where they do that at? Like, for real, for real. Where they do that at? Because you know what Jesus did? As Kanye said, Jesus walked. <laughs> okay? Jesus walked. You don't want somebody that could have flew. Somebody that could go from here to there whenever he wanted to. But Jesus walked. How about that? Uh, James 4, 2, and 3 says, you don't have because you do not ask. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. 
So here's the thing. Yes, you will have whatever you ask according to and within the confines of his will. God cares more about how you use your gifts to help others than about for your desire for a Range Rover or to fill your pocket with whatever foolishness. So now's my favorite part of pod class. Your biggest takeaway. Uh, something that really stuck with me was when you said you don't need to understand in order to obey. I know for me, I'm, I'm a very critical thinker and I like to know how it's going to end, how I'm going to get there, all the different sides of it. But for some reason, when you said it right there, it made me think of we, I don't need to understand in order to obey. And I don't need for other people to understand in order for me to obey. Cause a lot of times if I'm honest, I'm concerned with what the other person is going to think about what God has told me to do or how to live. So it's in letting go of that, I'm even more free to obey what, what God is saying to me. That was a word, folks. That was a mighty word right there. I love it because you're right about it. Not only do you not need to understand in order to obey, but other people, you're right. They don't need to know what God spoke to you because when God told Noah to build the ark, people was like, dude. What is you doing? I don't understand. They didn't have to understand, okay? But he obeyed. One more. My biggest takeaway, I think, um, I liked that one. I don't have to understand to obey. And I think that it was great that you gave us the witnesses, the you know, to, to look at Naaman and the widow and all that. But the other that um, I was thinking is that I need to stop trying to figure out the agenda. It's, it's not my agenda. And, and, and it's so helpful when you can take yourself out of it. Yeah, so, when, so if I can look and, and, and listen, obey, and then say, okay, this is not about me. It's about God. It's about God's people and how I'm so, to sow into their lives and how I'm to influence and change for his, for his good and his glory. So that helps me because I'm like, okay, I don't have to know every turn. I don't know, have to know everybody he's going to put in my place. I just need to go where he tells me to go because then that person's going to already be there. So praise God for that. Praise God for that. Not only is it for his will and for his people, but everything is always going to be for God's glory. You know why you don't know the agenda? So you can't go and tell people, okay, so this is how this is going to work. No, God is saying, no, I'm going to show you how it's going to work so that at the end of it, you will have no choice but to say, this wasn't nobody but God. This wasn't nobody but Jesus. He knows how to do things to make sure that he gets his, his due, okay? So believers, if you have any comments, questions, takeaways, hit me up at Dr. Shante Says on Twitter and on Instagram, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believing Bigger with Dr. Shante. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to follow Dr. Shante, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Shante Says. Until next time, keep on Believing Bigger. Believing Bigger.